Good morning. I'm Samantha Matsumoto in for Angela Davis. You're listening to NPR News. Award season is in full swing. And this morning, NPR's Cube critics are taking over the mic here at NPR News with Angela Davis. We're going to share our takes on the movies that we think you need to see and the ones that we think you can skip. So my regular job is that I'm a producer for this show working behind the scenes, but I also work part-time reviewing movies for NPR's Cube Critics. So every Friday I talk about movies and TV on All Things Considered with my Cube Critics co-host Aaron Waldisselassie. And Aaron is in the studio with me today to talk all about movies. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Sam. How are you? I'm good. We're also joined today by Ewan Kerr. Ewan is an editor at NPR News, and he is the original original Cube Critics co-host. One of, One of the original Cube Critics co-hosts. And now he produces and edits the show. So, Ewan, thank you for everything you do. It's and my thank pleasure. you for being here. My pleasure. So throughout this conversation, we want you, our listeners, to share your thoughts with us. So tell us, what is your favorite movie of the past year? Has it gotten recognition from award shows or has it been snubbed? The phone lines are open. Call us at 651-227-6000 or at 800-242-2828. So Ewan and Aaron, we know that the nominations for the Academy Awards were announced last week. And I want to start by asking both of you, we're all people who love movies and pop culture and TV and just all of it. So how do you feel about award shows as just a movie fan? Do they actually matter to you? You and I'll start with you. Oh, oh you've touched an open wound there. Um, <laughs> I, I actually have been very disdainful of award shows in the past because there's a certain amount of... Um, it's it's manufactured. This is really a part of the publicity machine for Hollywood. This is another chance to get a whole bunch of people back in the theaters. However, it has to be said that in this extraordinarily divided society that we live in nowadays, talking about movies is one of the few safe areas. This is something that you can literally walk up to someone in the bus at the bus stop or you can you know at the uh, the water cooler or whatever and you can talk about well did you see such and such i really liked it and it's fine it's fine it's uh, this this is actually i'm going to this may be an overstatement but i feel it's kind of the 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 one glue that pulls us together as human beings in the modern world at least in this part of the world mm-hmm. so um it's but you know as aaron said and i know that he will uh, we were talking about this before. Does anybody really remember? <laughs> I mean, what what do we remember from last year's Oscars? We remember well, the slack. <laughs> <laughs> but do we remember anything about the movies? You know, yeah, you're definitely right. Yeah, I do remember Coda won Best Picture last year, and I was really excited. But we were actually just talking about this before the show started. Of like, I feel like last year's Best Picture nominees in particular, I liked them, but none of them super stuck with me. Mm. Um, Where I feel very different about this year, I feel like this year there are a lot of movies that I really, really loved and I'm really excited about, and then a lot of movies that I really didn't like. Um, Aaron, what do you you feel about award shows? Like, Do you watch them regularly? How does it influence the way you think about movies and art? Mm, You know, I don't often, I don't watch them religiously. I do enjoy them, though. I I like following the news the day afterwards, uh, mainly because it condenses it down really, very well. Uh, I agree with you, Ewan. Um, talking about film uh, is maybe one of the safest pieces of small talk left 
that you can like like that we can all enjoy and these award shows like give us an opportunity to do that uh, relatively quickly and simply but i i honestly think that these like that the relevancy of these award shows uh, wanes every year in terms of like connecting people with like the glitz and glamour of hollywood i think we lose that every like every year uh, mainly because of social media um it's easier to see the glitz and glamour every, uh, every day as opposed to only a few times a year which is why i think these award shows were originally so spectacular mm-hmm. um although i will say um I, I i think these award shows do a good job of highlighting the value of film outside of a, a commercial lens and, and that's i think that's really valuable especially for those who are working within the industry um, obviously, the Academy is like biased in several ways, but it's it's consistently elevated uh, smaller, more nuanced stories that aren't going to get a lot of box off a lot of box office attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also like the two of you have really mixed feelings about award shows. Like when I was a, a child, I used to watch the Oscars every single year with my mom, and I remember we would like dress up and like literally like we would pull out the best dresses we had and dress up and have like this full night of it. And so I remember just kind of being like captivated by the magic of movies and Hollywood. And then as I got older, kind of realizing a lot of the politics that goes on behind the scenes, starting to kind of notice, you know, like, all of these like actors and directors and people who are honored, a lot of them like they they are, don't look like me. They don't have lives like mine. They're as we know very like the Oscars are very very white and tend to skew very like male when they're with, with who they're honoring. So I feel like I have all of these really mixed feelings, but I'm still someone who, at heart, is kind of caught by the magic of it. So I I still watch it every year. Um, I know that last year, the viewership was the second lowest it's ever been. So, you know, I know that things are changing. Who knows how many people are going to tune in this year. But let, let's talk a little bit about some of the um, best picture. The other thing, of course, which we haven't really touched upon is the world has changed for mm. movies. And the fact is that there are a lot of – well, we'll, we'll talk about it. There's a lot of titles on this list that many people will never have heard of. Oh, yes. And they are, uh, I mean, that's true every year. But this year, I think it's it's particularly true. And part of that is because of the, the new, the streaming world. Mm-hmm. Because people are uh, not going to the movies as much as they did. And part of that is the pandemic. But the... Um, you know, it's it's uh, it is very much a different world, as you can tell by some of the movies that are on the. On yeah, the list l- let's here. talk about some of, some of those movies. So, I want to talk about the the best picture nominees and some of the movies that stood out to us. And um, you and what are what are the ones that stand out to you when you look at this slate of of nominees? Well, I, mean, I actually see a, a bunch of a, a couple of things, three things, in fact. First of all. This list, um, you know, we got All Quiet on the Western Front, we got Avatar, Way of Water, The Banshees of uh, Inisherin, we got Elvis, everything, everywhere, all at once. The list goes up 10. It's a lot of movies there. Yeah, lots and, of things to watch. But this is, I think, for the first time, as far as I can remember, this is there is a list that has something for everyone. And the fact that Avatar and Top Gun were both uh, nominated for Best Picture, I mean, in the old days, 
popular movies like that just didn't get get on the list. There was there were there was a, there was a you know, okay snobbishness. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're not going to do that. Um, so, but there's a little bit for everything. There's arty movies. There's the popular movies. There's uh, on, here's here's a real shock. There's a couple of movies that are not in English. Wow, um, you've got a, a lot of nostalgia. You got a lot of action, and you've also got a lot of movies that kind of mix all that up i mean everything everywhere all at once it's it is so hard to actually really say what genre that movie is because it is everything (laughs) all at once yeah i think that the when i look at the slate of best picture nominees i think you know this is the statement that i think the academy wants to make is that the movies are back um all of these movies are big in in different ways um Aaron and I talk about on Cube Critics um pretty regularly about how we've seen just so many big sprawling movies this year lots of movies that are really long or have a lot of packed things packed into it like everything everywhere all at I, once. I think yeah, I've heard you use the term overstuffed overstuffed mm. yeah a, a lot of overstuffed movies for better and for worse and I think you know each of these movies um I think says something kind of different about the the academy wanting to say this is what movies look like in 2023 it's been a rough few years, but this is what we want to put forward as, as saying movies are back, like Top Gun, which brought a lot of people back into theaters, Avatar, The Way of Water, which is this big spectacle, everything, everywhere, all at once, which I think is probably the, one of the best examples of that big overstuffed movie and how to do it right. Honestly, I think this also speaks to what you commented on on declining viewership numbers, the fact that there are so many films of like varying uh, genres and levels uh, kind of s- seems like an attempt from the Academy to try to get more people to watch, uh, watch, uh, watch and these. specifically to get them into theaters. Like, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I think the I think uh, watching the Academy Awards uh, previously seemed something to be like a, a, a little bit of a pretentious affair, but like now it seems to be a little bit more. Of the people, if, if I'm if I'm allowed to say it like that, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's definitely something um, that like allows more more people to enjoy and have a reason to tune in. Yeah. One other thing which I'd like, I, I think, is worth exploring is that many of these titles or the stories in these movies are about struggles of the soul, struggles of mental health. Struggles of people who, with trauma, isolation. I think was a big one lo- that stood of, out and, to me. And, and it's a way that there there is a continuity there, which I don't think I've seen in the the, the titles before. Because so many of these movies deal with people going through just huge internal t- turmoil and the consequences of them. Mm-hmm. So the movie that has the most uh, nominations is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, all three of us have seen this movie and um, have talked about it so much. And I really love it. I know, Aaron, you really love it as well. Um, so this movie has gotten acting and directing and Best Picture nominations from several award shows, including the Golden Globes, the, Sp- the Screen Actors Guild, and the Critics' Choice Awards. Um, Ewan, what what do you think of this movie? Well, I mean, it's... it's- it's basically a story about a family running a, a laundromat, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like that with and everything, everything else. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is extraordinary how uh, this this movie takes in the idea of alternate universes and this 
a wonderful woman who is trying to save her family's business and the way she gets sucked into this. Basically, she's going to save the universe. Yeah. And this is this is the best superhero movie of the year, hands down. I think uh, the uh, I definitely agree with you, Ewan. This is a movie about a woman saving the universe. But I think this is, more importantly, this is a story about a mother saving her daughter. Mm-hmm. And if in, in, in doing that, she saves her own universe of her family. Um, I I like the like the both of you. I absolutely absolutely adored this movie. I think this is just a once in a, a once in a generation story uh, that was as, as imaginative as it was heartfelt. Um, I think this is going to be a film that people talk about for decades to come, partially because it's fantastic. Um, it, it, it blends genres incredibly, but mainly because it's a sincere piece of representation that we're not used to seeing. Yes. Um, I ha- like I had a conversation. In a bar about this film, Yohan, mm-hmm. um, about how uh, this might be uh, like how um, like Chinese kids in the future are going to be talking about this film the same way like black kids talk about like boys in the hood or do the right thing. Um, I think this is a piece of re- representation that just makes you uh, well, I can't say for certain, but makes a lot of people feel absolutely seen. Oh, I can definitely say for me, it made me feel incredibly seen. I had never um, or so rarely seen a movie about an Asian family where people got to feel so human and messy. And I love that this movie, um, a lot of it is in Chinese. Um, it touches on um, queer Asian identity. Um, it's it's so specific, but also so universal. Like when I went home to visit my uh, family over the holidays, my family is Japanese American. My cousins and I were t- all talking about this movie and just like, wow, we really see ourselves in this movie um even though you know we have all very different experiences we this movie really really meant a lot to us and so it i do have to say it means a lot to me personally to see it um get all this recognition um because i haven't ever really felt like my stories got to look like that or sound like that or resonate with people like that so it's it's a movie that i feel like just a lot of big feelings about (laughs) I, I I have talked to a couple of people. I mean, I love the movie. This is, I mean, I I, I mean, I hate to say this is my favorite because, as you know, usually so the, many good the, ones. the right. no, the yeah. last movie I saw is usually my favorite. But the uh, I, I I've talked to people. This has just been too much for them because there is just so much flying out of the screen at you oh, yeah. all the time. I mean, it's it's wonderfully wonderfully intense, but it may be over the threshold for for some people. Speaking of movies that we just saw, um, Aaron, I know that just last night, I believe, you watched The Banshees of Inisherin. This is one of my favorite movies that I've seen recently, too. For people who aren't familiar with it, give us like a little synopsis of what it's about. Oh, uh, my simplest synopsis is it's the story of two friends. And one of the friends just doesn't want to be friends anymore. <laughs> and to put, like putting it as plainly as possible that way, um, I think does uh, future viewers a lot of favors in that this movie has a lot happening in it. While at the same time, the pacing is done so is done so incredibly that you are both shocked and not at all surprised at, at everything that happens. Um, it's very very funny uh, in a strange way. I think that we can all agree. Um, and it give and, and and it gives the uh, it gives a viewer it gives a viewer a sense of melancholy that I think that they can enjoy. Yeah, I think the thing that really stood out to me when I watched this movie is um, 
It's about community, but it's also really about isolation. This movie takes place on this remote um, fictional island off of the coast of Ireland um, during the Irish Civil War after the Easter uprising of, um, I'm blanking on the year 1916, I believe. Um, but um, it's it's about isolation. And, and you and we were, you just mentioned um, the kind of like thread of mental health throughout mm-hmm. um, the this nominees is, well, the this year. I was and that about. really that really struck with me where I was like, wow, I feel like so many of us are struggling with real isolation and what it means to be part of community and what it means to be in a relationship with other people right now. Um, so I think that this movie explores that in a really interesting way that's also very entertaining and and hilarious and strange mm-hmm. i i was uh i mean it does really reflect the uh, i mean i've spent a lot of time on islands admittedly scottish islands as opposed to irish islands but the the communities there are different and things very quiet people can suddenly do things which are quite extreme as happens in this but it's also i mean uh, the one of the two central characters is uh, a fiddler uh who playing beautiful irish music and the the how creative people can become even as they are in this very uh ossified uh community and um of course this is the latest film from martin mcdonough who made in bruges uh, and uh, three billboards outside. I can never remember the town, Missouri. Missouri, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, who is a playwright who has explored similar themes in all of his his work. Mm. And it is usually very, very funny, and you feel really awful for having laughed at some of the things. But you can't look away. You really can't look away. Yeah. So throughout this conversation, we want you, our listeners, to join in as well. Tell us, as we're talking about movies and award shows, what is your favorite movie of the past year? Has it gotten recognition from award shows and critics, or has it been snubbed? The phone lines are open. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. So Ewan and Aaron, I know that um, two movies that both of you really both of you loved were um, snubbed this year at the Academy Awards. Pretty high pro- profile snubs. Aaron, your favorite movie from last year was Nope. Yeah, and there were no, no, <laughs> no big nominations for this, which is really was really shocking to me. I am still surprised. Like Nope, like I, 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 I still think that Nope was the best film of 2022. Uh, I like I ended up watching that movie three times because I enjoyed it so much. Uh, I remember describing it on Cube Critics as jaws in space it's incredible like it's it's just everything that you want from a like suspenseful a suspenseful alien film um jordan peele does but like does an incredible incredible job um i don't want to use the word subverting because i feel like that's something that people say a lot with him but he definitely like plays with the genre in an incredible way um, and we get some really great performances. Honestly, I think like the best performance I've ever seen out of Kiki Palmer. Oh, amazing. And she's been working for years. So like just seeing her like this was incredible. Daniel Kaluuya, Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya? Thank you. Uh, was, uh, also did an incredible job as, as well as Stephen Ewan. Um, I think I, I, I'm so shocked and like. <laughs> Yeah, obviously this is still like very fresh and emotional. Yeah, and yeah, I completely yeah. I completely agree. I I loved Nope. And you know, it's interesting. It's a movie about Hollywood spectacle and it's a movie about the people who 
make the movies that are forgotten by the industry. That's exactly. the story of um, the two siblings played by Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya in this movie, um, is that I believe their grandfather, great-grandfather, was... Um, one the one of the first motion pictures ever. He was literally a most. Yeah, he was literally and just, the first. Yeah, and just kind of forgotten by the industry. So it feels, um, you know, a little on the nose that this movie has gotten just so snubbed by the Oscars uh, with Listen, that message. Listeners, you can't see it, but I'm like throwing my hands in the air. <laughs> I've. I, we can like, hear it. We can I, hear I've it. Got, like, like I'm, I'm just like I, I like uh, I'm, I'm doing my Seinfeld voice. Like I can't believe it. Like I'm just literally shocked that no one from the Academy was like, "Hey, like you know this incredible like horror like semi horror film that you know from the guy that we gave that we like uh, completely fell in love with with Get Out. Let's just ignore this film. That's an, it's an insane idea that this conversation could have happened, but that's what it feels like happened with Nope. The other um, really high profile, one of the other really high profile snubs is for a movie that you and I know that you really loved, The Woman King. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is the story set in the 1800s of uh, an all women fighting unit, which is the elite force uh, protecting the the nation of Dahomey in the 1800s. And Viola Davis plays the the general who runs this uh this unit with with a an iron fist <laughs> and uh it's really really remarkable and it's a a story about gender it's a story about the uh what was happening during the, the when the slave trade was um occurring and the 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 choices that various communities were making and it's it's just it's a it's a both an action thriller and uh, a real thought-provoking piece about a little bit of history that perhaps uh, a lot of people don't know about. Mm-hmm. And Viola Davis is just, she's magnetic. I mean, not that she has been magnetic many times before, yeah, but is, is really remarkable. And here she is in this action star role and, it's, uh, and pulls it off magnificently. So... Um, yeah, it was kind of strange that uh, we didn't hear more about that. Yeah. Um, so last February, um, NPR host Angela Davis talked with two movie critics about some of the politics and behind-the-scenes lobbying that shapes which films get nominated and, and go on to win and which get snubbed. So she talked with Sonia Rao, a pop culture reporter for The Washington Post, and Chris Hewitt, the theater and film critic for The Star Tribune. So this is what they had to say about some of the politics behind the Academy Awards awards and and what influences those snubs. I mean, we can't talk about this without talking about Harvey Weinstein. I mean, that was his huge thing with the Oscars is, you know, with Miramax back in the day, Weinstein was extremely aggressive in these campaigns. Um, You know, the money that was funneled into the Oscars campaign, all of that, which is why so many winners ended up thanking him in a speech. You know, the Academy has responded to that somewhat in the past. They did kind of implement different rules um, of behind the scenes, you know, what you can do, what you can't do in order to at least try to make it a little more fair. Um, But at the end of the day, yeah, I think, you know, the Oscars are a big marketing tool for studios. Um, so I think I tend to think of the Oscars as two separate things. I think of the telecast as one thing, and I think of the actual award and what its industry implications are as a second thing. 
Um, and I think, you know, the behind the scenes is, yeah, it's not always the prettiest thing. I think there is a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that is fueled by money and who has it. But then mm-hmm. you look at, you know, smaller films like Coda, for example, it was picked up by Apple, which is a big company, of course. But that's not necessarily the size of a movie we have always seen um, on winning this many awards and ending up in this place at the Oscars. So I think, I mean, I think it's gradually changing a little bit. I'm uh, intrigued by that. I, I mean, on the one hand, you know, the, the, the winners have not necessarily been the people that I thought deserved to win, deserved in quotation marks. So I n- n- never placed a huge amount of faith in that. And I didn't really have a lot of faith to lose, especially since I know that actually from the beginning, the Oscars, it was the studios that were lobbying. And, you know, essentially MGM could say to Clark Gable and everybody on their roster, okay, you have to vote for this movie for best picture. So it wins. So it's kind of baked into it. That was Chris Hewitt, the film and theater critic for the Star Tribune, as well as Sonia Rao, a pop culture reporter for the Washington Post. NPR News host Angela Davis talked with the two of them last year about some of the politics behind the Academy Awards. So right now we're talking about movies and we want you, our listeners, to join the conversation. Tell us, what is your favorite movie of the past year? Has it gotten recognition from award shows or has it mostly been overlooked? The phone lines are open. Open, you can call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. And Mina in Minneapolis is on the line. Mina, what would you like to say? What was one of your favorite movies of the past year? Well, I really liked Catherine Called Birdie, which uh, was directed by Lena Dunham, who, you know, has done many quirky things in TV and film for us. And Catherine Called Birdie is loosely based on a children's novel by Karen Cushman. And it's a medieval comedy about a 14-year-old girl avoiding marriage. Yes. The family farm, basically, or family finances. They're, you know, they're lords. They have titles. But dad is really broke. So he realizes at age 14, he does have a resource in um, Catherine. So much of the story is about how She's, it's a coming-of-age story, but it's also her, you know, realizing in in the end she's going to get married, but she wants to do it on her own terms. So it has pretty high production values. It's a nice movie to look at visually. And the the lead actress is Bella Ramsey, who I've not seen before, but, you know, she, she's great in this role of kind of a childlike, um, devious uh, girl trying to avoid a fate that, you know, it's going to be, it's going to happen, but she learns how to maybe more accept it in the end. But, you know, it's just a great, fun movie to watch. Yeah, I watched this movie when it came out, and I also really, really loved it. Catherine called Birdie. Mina, thank you so much. Sean is also on the line from Bemidji. Sean, what was your favorite movie of the past year? Hello. My favorite was The Banshees of Inishirin. And I had such a hard time finding that movie while it was in the theaters and was so antsy for it to come out on a streaming channel. Um, But I found it really delightful, quirky. The dark humor was was wonderful. (laughs) Um, The one I was really was a major disappointment to me was Avatar The Way of Water. I wanted to love it. I felt like they added... They added so much uh, military action and bigotry and 
um, you know, like they were trying so hard to appeal to the action movie audience. Had some beautiful underwater sequences, but overall I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much, Sean. And Jaylon is on the line from St. Louis Park. Jaylon, what did you see and what? Um, tell us about it. <laughs> yes, oh man, uh, I just have to say Wakanda Forever has been just for me the talk of this 2022 it was from uh, myself. I think it was the most anticipated movie, um, and I also think it was, even though it got its awards, it was still a still a little snug. You know, I I, I think it could have got more um, recognition. You know, not just because of Chadwick Boseman, but um, but because of Chadwick Boseman, <laughs> he left behind a legacy. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's definitely one of one of my top top movies. Um, the beauty of uh, women empowerment and um, that, you know, women can be king too. Yeah, Jalen, thank you. I So Aaron and I both saw this movie as well, and I, I really loved it too. Angela Bassett is um, nominated for Best Supporting Actress for an Oscar for her role in that. Um, and I believe she won a Golden Globe for that she role did. as well. Um, Aaron, um your thoughts on on Wakanda Forever, the sequel to um, Black Panther? Honestly, I thought it was incredible. The only, uh, I think, disagreement that you and I had about this movie was that I actually thought this one was better than the first one. Um, I think Angela Bassett and Letitia Wright did an incredible job in it. Um, I think part of like uh, the like the idea that it got snubbed um, and like it's mm, the fact that it didn't get as much recognition from the academy that other pe- as much as people would have liked it mainly probably have to do with the fact that it's like an, a marvel film um we we touched on how like the academy is a little pretentious a little hoity toity but um getting back to this film you're like uh, it was it was a it was a great ride and it was a touching tribute that made sense both emotionally and um, canonically in the story. It, it was very well done. Yeah, one of the things that I loved about this movie um, that Aaron, you and I talked about when it first came out was it's it's a blockbuster, it's a Marvel movie, but it tells this really complicated and emotional and nuanced story about grief, which I think, um, again, touches on um, what you and brought up at the beginning of our conversation, that so many of the movies um, that were really impactful this year are about loss and loneliness and kind of the struggles that we're having um, with our, our mental health. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this movie was such an example of um, of touching on those themes in a way that was, it felt true to the characters, it felt true to the original, um, but also I think really kind of hit different um, in this time that we're living in after we've been through so, so much over the past few years and after the death of um, Chadwick Boseman, the original Black Panther. Yeah. I, I went to see the movie actually several weeks after it opened. Oh, that's right. And um, had really it was it was a really different kind of an experience because uh, there is such a, a different balance going on through in the film. We have, mm-hmm. of course, it's a Marvel movie. There are huge action sequences where things are getting blown up and whatever, and then there are these deeply emotional moments about grief, about mourning. And so I'm sitting there and during the, the periods where it was, where they were dealing with the grief, people in the audience would start talking. 
Hmm. Oh. And That's and so it was just kind of That's very rich. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> but but <laughs> the great kind of moment was I was uh, finally it quieted down and it was just so quiet and then suddenly he was and and it literally was someone who had fallen asleep. There and <laughs> That makes me so sad. That makes me so angry. We go to movies for different things. That's right. And, um, I mean, I would have argued that probably uh, Wakanda Forever would have benefited for a little less action. But, obviously, I was in the minority. Sure. In yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we each take something different from every movie. Yeah. This, it, fi- like, this film gave us so much, but it was such a step outside from what we would ex- expect from a standard action film. I don't think I've ever watched an action film that was dedicated to mourning and how like pain can take you to so many extreme places. Yeah, yeah. Well, um I lo- I loved that movie and 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 it's too bad that someone fell asleep in the theater. Yeah. No, I, I, um. <laughs> it was a it was a first for me. That I mean, I'm sure I've been in places, I've been in movies where people have fallen asleep, but never snored quite so loud. Sure. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit more about um, some of the other um, movies that really stood out to us, um, and um, a couple of the movies um, that were nominated for Best Actor for the Academy Awards this year. Um, so you, when you saw the two films whose actors are considered um, front runners, um, or two of the front runners in this race, um, The Whale, which is starring Brendan Fraser, and After Sun, which is starring Paul Mescal. Um, I have not seen either one of these movies yet, so I'm excited for you to tell us about them. No. Um, start off by telling us about The Whale. The Whale is uh, the Brendan Fraser uh, stars uh, in this, Brendan Fraser stars in this Darren Aronofsky film, and of course Aronofsky made The Wrestler, he made Black Swan, he made Mother, a whole bunch of, and uh, and that, that kind of indicates what this movie is. It is kind of it's horrifying. I mean, and it makes you feel really uncomfortable. It's based on a play, which kind of and it is set out in happening basically pretty much in this one room in this guy's house in Idaho. And Charlie is an online educator who has suffered a huge loss in his life. And that has, uh, as a result, he has developed uh, an eating disorder, which has resulted in in him becoming so enormous that he is facing death, basically. And it is a really claustrophobic, thought-provoking film about the meaning of life, the meaning of love, relationships, and also, you know, I mean, Brendan Fraser plays Charlie with this incredible pathos. But also there's a certain cluelessness about Charlie because he is perhaps too trusting of people even though he does see himself as a man of the world. And it's it's really engaging. Mm. So but it's it's a hard watch too, it has to be said. Another hard watch and also uh, I mean a lot of um the whale is about his relation Charlie's relationship with his daughter. And another father daughter movie is uh is After Son, which I think a lot of people have never really heard about. Mm-hmm. The um, one starring Paul Mescal, Paul uh, Mescal. who's also nominated for Best Actor for this movie. And it's about a father and a daughter who are on vacation and uh at a, a very nice resort in the sun. 
They are from, oh, they're from Scotland. I wonder why I was interested in that. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> but this is an amazing puzzle of a movie because very little is actually explained about what is going on other than you have a sense that there is something ominous on the horizon. And the Charlotte Wells wrote and directed this, and it's a semi-autobiographical movie about her own experiences with her father. And it is, Paul Mescal is just amazing as Callum. And uh, Frankie Corio as Sophie, the, 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 the girl. It's, um, it doesn't move very fast. There's no action in it. It's, <laughs> but it is just riveting. And you actually picked out a clip from this movie that you want to share from us. Um, and before we play it, tell us what we need to know about what's happening in this scene. This is basically, it's mainly Frankie, the uh, choreo as Sophie, talking to her father about just spending time together. Let's hear that clip. This is from the movie After Sun. I think it's nice that we share the same sky. What do you mean? Well, like, sometimes at playtime, I look up to the sky, and if I can see the sun, then I think about the fact that we can both see the sun, so even though we're not actually in the same place and we're not actually together, we kind of are in a way, you know? Like, we're both underneath the same sky, so kind of together. And there we have it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. It's it's just <laughs> it's just uh, an amazing film. And you know, we we uh, there are certain movies that will stick with you, and certain movies that you know will come back up. They don't get a lot of attention at the time, but they people say this was one of the best movies I've ever seen. This is the kind of movie that ends up on those lists. Oh, I can't wait to watch it. So while we're talking about movies, we want you to join the conversation. Tell us about your favorite movie of the past year. Has it gotten recognition from award shows or has it mostly been snubbed? Either way, tell us what you loved about it. The phone lines are open. You can call us at 651-227-6000. And Katie is on the line in a diner. Katie, tell us about your favorite movie of the past year. Hi, um, I loved Causeway with Jennifer Lawrence, and I haven't heard if she's gotten any recognition for that. It was so good, and um, it's about a soldier returning from the Middle East with traumatic brain injury and kind of her adjustment to life and the friendship she develops. Has that gotten any? Yes. Yeah, so that one is uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Brian Tyree Henry, who um, was, I believe he plays Jennifer Lawrence's friend in that movie. I have not seen this movie yet, but it's on my list because I am a big fan of Brian Tyree Henry. This was a, um... He's great. And she is so good, too. I mean, that movie really stuck with me. So yeah. I highly recommend it. Thank you, Katie. And Brian Tyree Henry um, is an actor that Aaron and I really love because he is in the series Atlanta, which just ended this year. Yeah, we both really loved him. And I, I think uh, I think the main reason that we haven't heard enough about this film is because it's on Apple TV Plus, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a newer streaming service. Still, it's still uh, people are still having a hard time uh, seeing everything on there. So that's probably why. 
Yeah. I want to talk about um, one of my favorite movies that is on a streaming service. Um, and I think it should have gotten a lot more recognition because it's one of my favorite movies of the past year. It is RRR. It has one nomination um, from the Academy Awards um, this year for Best Original Song. Um, but I watched this a few weeks ago and I've just been like obsessed. I can't stop talking about it. I can't stop telling people you have to watch this movie. So again, speaking of big overstuffed movies, this is a three hour long movie. It's an epic about um, these two men in colonial India. Um, They're both revolutionaries, and they strike up this friendship. Um, And this movie is just, it's incredible. It is I feel like for me, when I think about movie magic and what movies can do, I think that this movie is a great example of it. It has these like sweeping dance numbers. It has like these gorgeous like montages about these two guys becoming friends, these like over the top wild action sequences. But it's also really brutal when it comes to depicting life under colonization. Um, so this is a movie that I was just like, this movie, everyone should watch this movie. We need to talk about it all the time. I think it's one of the best examples, again, of a big, how to do a big sprawling movie right. Well, we, you, you use that term though which i think scares a lot of people three hours <laughs> three hours there are a lot of movies that frankly i flinch a little when i see the running time and I, the and, and i think that's becoming a problem it's that- becoming more common you're correct um i i remember telling the joke earlier in 2022 about the batman being an eighth of the day because it's three hours long and then i keep and as the year progressed i kept seeing it happen more and more in films uh most notably in Avatar, The Way of Water, that was a massively long film that a lot of us had to like sit through. <laughs> you mean you had to sit through? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, if I remember correctly, I said, I'm going to watch the new Avatar film. And you went, thank gosh, because I don't want to watch yeah, that. Yeah, I was like, thank you for doing it so I don't have to. Yeah. I, I was talking to my sister the other day. She had just gone to see Babylon, which I know... Um, you really detested Samantha. Sam used the word hate three yeah. times in her review for that movie. I did not like it. it was but you, not you mentioned that, you mentioned how much you disliked it a, a week after your initial yeah. review oh, of I'm, it. I'm still talking about it, you guys in my personal life. I'm like, have you seen Babylon? It's bad, don't. Yeah. But anyway, my my sister said she she saw five times when the movie should have ended. <laughs> and she was she was watching with her friends. I mean, they were literally kind of gathering their their bags and coats and stuff and then it went on <laughs> five times yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I kind of felt that way after like the first scene so um but i really want to convince you guys you got to watch rrr okay. and okay. and so mm-hmm. here i'm going to give you a pitch in the okay. form of a song so original song is what uh, rrr is nominated for at the oscars um the song not to not to um and i want to play you some of the song to try to convince you you got to watch this movie this is not to not to from rrr Not salsa, not flamenco, my brother. Do you know? Not to? What is not to? Polam gattu dummulo na potla gitta dhuki nattu pole Ramma jataralo pota rajugi nattu Kirru seppule sakoni karra samusesi nattu Marri sattu nilolo na kurra gumpu kooli nattu Yerra jonna rottelo na milra padukku galbi nattu Na paata zoodu, na paata zoodu, na paata zoodu na Not 
That is the song Natu Natu from the movie RRR, a movie that I really loved. And we have a caller um, in Minneapolis, Jyothi, um, who wants to talk about this movie RRR as well. Jyothi, what would you like to say about this movie? Oh, I'd like to just say that I really enjoyed watching it. I think it was full of like fun and sort of a ridiculous nature that made you laugh at things. But it also really touched on um, how tragic some of the oppression that, uh, you know, India had to suffer under the British. And uh, it's actually uh, Vishagapatnam is one of my my family's hometowns. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of fun to um, see, you know, and uh, yeah, so that's, um, yeah, I think it was a good way to... um, I don't know, somewhat lightheartedly look at what went down, especially in this time when we've been sort of like talking a lot about how great the royal family was with the passing of the queen, that there's a really different perspective out there. And it was good to see that brought forth. So that's it. Yeah, thank you, Jyothi. That is Jyothi talking about the movie RRR, which you can watch on Netflix. And I just highly, highly, highly recommend it. So speaking of streaming, um, as we talked about earlier in the hour, viewership for the Academy Awards is struggling. Last year was the second lowest on record. The year before, they had the lowest viewership ever. This decline has been happening for years. And so because of struggles with viewership, some award shows are trying something new starting in 2020. The SAG Awards are going to be streamed live on Netflix. And this month, the awards will be the SAG Awards will be streamed on Netflix's YouTube channel. That's on February 26th. So, Ewan, I want to ask you, you've been covering arts for a long time. What do you think of this? Do you think that streaming could be the future of award shows? Uh, Anything is possible. I I, I think the problem with the award shows quite often is they're just kind of bad. (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's because they always run long, and the uh, a lot of the speeches are inane, and then some of the the dance numbers are. You're thinking, what? Yes, it yes, it's a wonderful big production number there, but mm. really, what has this got to do with the movies? That I want to hear about the movies, and so yeah, it's uh, uh, again like three hours. Or it's too much. <laughs> So we have um, just a little bit of time left. And before the show ends, I want to ask both of you, if you had one wish for the awards season this year, um, not counting like renominating movies like No for the Woman <laughs> King that were snubbed, um, what do you what do you want to see? What's your what's your one wish if you could just make anything happen, Aaron? Oh, if if I had one wish for this award season, it would be that just an incredible just uh, I'm imagining the incredible moment of just Michelle Yeoh wi- like winning and me just fe- like just feeling so good for her and her delivering this monumental like speech and i just i just want to i just want to i just want that moment i just want that perfect 5 minutes to exist on youtube so we can watch it over and over and over again yes michelle yo nominated for best actress and everything everywhere all at once um i'm also rooting for this she would be the first asian woman to ever win a best actress award and only the second woman of color the second non-white woman after halle berry in 2002 you win real quick what do, what do you wish uh Pretty much the same, except that um, I would hope that uh, Tar and Women Talking, which which are both extraordinarily powerful movies in different ways, uh, that they get a lot of recognition and, and it chases people to see them. I mean, they're just extraordinary. 
life-changing. Yes, so many great movies we got to watch this year. Our time is up for today, but you can join us again tomorrow morning at 9. Thank you so much, everyone. Be safe. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.